This is the T Smart Network. You read me. What up? It's your boy Big Facts here with another episode of You Read Me. You heard the intro. And yeah, man, I know y'all used to hear me talk sports on You Read Me. We're going to switch it up a little bit, man. A lot of news, a lot of drama going on. Some stuff that I felt interested in talking about. So we're going to jump into a lot of that today. But yeah, we took a bit of hiatus here on the Two Smart Network, but we're back with the shows you know. Maybe some shows you don't, you know what I'm saying? 2021, your boy vaccinated, ready to get out of here. You know what I mean? But, you know. Everybody has a different thought process on getting vaccinated, whether to get vaccinated, whether not to get vaccinated. I went ahead and get the vax because I saw how these people was acting when the vaccine was out there. So I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go and put on the safe side, get vax. Each their own. Been two weeks. Arm ain't fell off yet. Hey, time will tell. Other than that, man, get into the boy J. Cole. Drop the classic. I don't care what nobody says. We can argue about it. I love to argue. This is a classic. I don't care that it's only been a week. I listened to it about 10 times this week. And every time I listen to it, it gets better and better and better. So, personally, I always thought that 2014 Forest Hill Drive was uh, J. Cole's best album. I just love the production. I loved uh, the storytelling on it. The whole rollout was hot. But this album just raw, man. It's back to... The era where I love to listen to music, you know, I'm into that early 2000, the, the lyricism, the, the style, I mean, starting off the album with 95 South with Cam, I mean, if you're around that era, you know, man, then he put the picture out with the pink and the phone, and just took you back, then he ended it with Little John, which is crazy, because if you're in the South, like myself, you know what Little John does, you know when Little John came on in a party, it was kind of over. You know what I mean? <laughs> Say the least, the party's probably going to get old. Somebody's going to get into it. Um, fight probably going to broke out. Broke out. That's kind of was the released release. Like that and Sea Murder were like the release songs at parties. Once those tracks came on, it was over. So I thought it was pretty awesome that he had that to end that 95 South song. And he just killed it. You know what I mean? Everybody know. The, the Mario, the Luigi bar. Uh, it's crazy to me that he even used Luigi because super, everybody knows Super Mario Brothers, but still, Luigi was like the, the brother in green, you know what I'm saying? With an M on your head like you Luigi's brother, man. that Just to start the album like that was crazy, you know what I mean? So that was the first. Then the Mario joint, and it, it seemed like it was something light, but you know he was slipping up his foes. Don't, don't get it twisted. Every song on here, no matter what the beat is, like a lot of these beats when they came on, my first thought was, I don't think I like this song. Because I didn't love all the beats. But then like when he started flowing and flipping his flow and the lyrics that he was putting, when you really listen to everything he was saying, the beat was kind of irrelevant by the end of the song. You hear the shit that he's saying because... I, I wasn't really feeling like the beat of Amari and he just kind of getting his bars and he walk out the booth do the Westbrook rocker baby it's like damn like everything is heavy even when the beat doesn't sound like it's gonna be heavy it's real some real mixtape shit going on which I which which I'm a fan of you know what I'm saying then you get to the next joint which is the my life joint which I love the original with Styles P like I, I fuck with Styles P heavy it's funny cause like I like the locks but I love each one of the Locks members when they rap individually. So, 
Styles P's album is like one of my favorite albums. I listen to that shit all the time. So I liked how he flipped that My Life joint. And then he had 21 Savage on there. And it's just something about the chemistry that they got together. I mean, they both stepped their game up when they get together. And it's an odd mix kind of styles. But man, 21 Savage was killing that verse, man. That nigga, he went crazy on that verse. So uh, I, I really like that My Life joint, man. Um, but my favorite joint on that personally. You know, I don't listen to this thing probably... More times than I don't listen to the album. That one in 95 South. This one in 95 South is my two favorite. But I lean toward this applying pressure because he just he just goes crazy. And I love lyrics. That applying pressure is just so crazy, man. He put he said, "Envy, keep your pockets empty, so just focus on you. If you broke and clowning a millionaire, the joke is on you." Money ain't everything, I'll never say that But there's niggas throwing stones Knowing they'll sell their souls to get wherever they at Man, <laughs> he, just, he, just, he just went crazy, bro And then you can tell after he finished How he was talking that he know he just killed it You know what I mean? He, he know that, that that was the one You know what I'm saying? It, it's over after that And then just to let y'all know it's over I'm gonna bring in Dame Lillard Like it's Dame time like after Dame does what he does, you know, we seen all Dame's, you know, in game ending shots. So we know what Dame does. And he he comes straight off applying pressure into that punch in the clock to give you that build up like the Bulls noise when Jordan coming out the <laughs> coming out, you know, out the locker room. Then he comes with that punch in the clock. And it's something about when rappers start off with those heavy P uh P verses, man, when uh <laughs> It, every 16, every 8 bars You get a P Like I don't know It just sets a certain tone For what he's doing And then on that punch in the clock He's just saying some Some crazy heavy shit You know what I'm saying So not only did Dan Build up the track for you But then he kind of closed it With the bar He said told him to come off his chain For trying to floss Dot over a cross Like the start of Christianity And that shit was hard When I heard it So he kind of went It kind of went crazy but my favorite bar on that track is where he says, Nightmare scenes, the police finally apprehended me. Woke up screaming, seen the demon had his hand on me. Still sport the scar on my arm from where he branded me. Like a cute dog, my niggas burn with the mute off. Loud packs burn. Th man, he was going nuts. Like, man, man, he, I, I, that man, he's spitting on this joint. I don't care what y'all say. This joint's a classic. That hundred million, come on. I'm going to rain until FEMA show up hard. Brought her back a flashback when he said, E and J fell out my cup, then bullets fly by. That shit sober you up. <laughs> Man, but he, he has some crazy shit. But then after that, he come in with Little Baby. And you know a Little Baby. Little Baby's like the hottest rapper out here, and he's a feature killer. I mean, you got Little Baby on your album, you probably got some shit. And. Baby, baby just spitting that real shit like, like always, talking big money. And he said he lost a Lamborghini, lost a Ferrari in Vegas or something. Got back grinding the next day. <laughs> but then uh, you got Let Go of My Hand. I didn't even like the little interlude. That's why I wasn't super excited about this album. Because, uh, well, let's not skip over let's go, Let Go of My Hand. Let Go of My Hand is where he talk about the puff fight. Everybody going crazy over that. People have been talking about it for years. So I don't know why. I guess just because he confirmed that it happened. But Puff has said that like all those stories happened. Like, the story with Drake, 
Uh, I can't remember the one with the trainer where he hit somebody. He said basically said all of it happened. He realized he was fucking up the money. I think he said that on the Breakfast Club. So I don't know. It, it's not really a huge deal. You still didn't get the details. Like I mean, maybe if they gonna start giving some of the details, who actually, you know, what actually happened, they're still kind of silent about that. But um, it, it it was cool. I mean, I think the, I think the track was cool. It's not one of the crazier joints to me. I think that's the big thing is that the fight with Pup Joint. Then your next one, we're talking about the interlude. I didn't, that's why I wasn't really excited Because when he put out the interlude, I was like, man, it's cool But it wasn't like, oh my god, this album's gonna be crazy So I didn't think it was gonna be nothing I thought it was just gonna be kind of like the other two The other two, I didn't like KOD I didn't like, uh, for your eyes only, uh, whatever The neighbors think I'm selling dope I mean, I, it was cool But that's kind of what I was expecting I didn't, I didn't ever think he would make another album That lives up to 2014 Force Drive You know, some artists do that some artists, you know, peak at an album and they still make cool albums after that. But to like make multiple classics, not a lot of not a lot of artists can do that. But that's what I thought. He, he definitely surprised me on that. Then you come back with the climb back, which another cool joint. Um, he talks a lot like about jealousy. Lemons had a lot of like betrayal over these last <clears throat> over these last few years. In the industry, because he talks a lot about portrayal, like not dapping niggas up, niggas turning they back, niggas changing. Uh, this one, he said, he was talking about his man. He said, I slowly peep jealousy on his breath whenever he spoke to me. Like on the low, he feeling like in my shoes is where he's supposed to be. <laughs> this shit crazy. But yeah, now when he was talking about his man, which he got out, which is in jail or getting, I can't remember. Something about he was in jail, his guy jail was hanging with him, and he kind of had the split. And then uh, ended with Hunger on the Hills. Uh, yeah, man, he just he just went crazy, man. I don't want to bar y'all with that, but he, he just went crazy on that. There's a bunch of bars on there. I just kind of skimmed through a few. But, man, what I really like about this album is people are saying that he's the first to, like, he's the first to drop. And I guess 2021 he's the first to drop. Um, but I don't think he's the first of the big artists to drop. I personally think that... Uh, Big Sean, but I think people leave Big Sean out of that that category of Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, and then I think Big Sean always kind of get brushed off, and people don't really respect Big Sean, but I think Big Sean is on par with J. Cole, on par with Kendrick Lamar, lyricism, song making, whatever you want to say, like J. Cole's last album that he just put out, I don't know when he put it out, like sometime in late 2020, that Detroit 2 go hard and that was a heavy lyrical album you know what I mean he had the cypher on that joint like he he got some bars on that album talked about a lot of shit going on in his life so I feel like Big Sean was the first one to drop Big Sean was the first one to really come out there put lyrics you know what I'm saying focus on that lyrical thing and I think J. Cole was the next to match that energy but saying that J. Cole was the first I don't know about that I think I like Detroit too. Too, I think Detroit too is a classic. Um, maybe I'm just throwing the word classic around crazy, but I I like I like uh, I like that from both those good dudes, man. So I want to see next what we're coming, what we're, what we're gonna come with. You know what I'm saying? We, everybody was thinking that we're gonna get a Drake album, which is funny because Nicki dropped the Seeing Green joint where Wayne going crazy on that joint. Nicki going crazy too. It's funny because I think Drake got the worst verse on there but then there's been some people saying that 
that's probably not a recent verse. That's probably an old throwaway verses to get him on there. Because on that track, Wayne says that ever since the, the virus, that they done locked Drake up in Canada. And I feel like he had like torn his ACL even before the coronavirus hit or something. So I don't even know if Drake's been able to leave Canada. You know what I mean? You hadn't seen a ton of them, I don't think, but I don't really be looking at Drake, so that could be totally wrong. I don't I don't know. I don't keep up with him like that. But I will say it would make sense why he didn't drop that album, which everyone thought that we were gonna get in February, because if he can't get in the States or he can't move around and you can't tour, it's not open up, you can't really do the things that you would want to do with the big machine behind you dropping a Drake album. You know what I mean? You can't just casually drop like you know, Big Sean can do that. Um, J. Cole can do that. Drake, not so much. Drake is too big to just like casually drop an album and then nothing else happens. Like, people eat off of that. So, um, that probably explains why we haven't gotten that Drake album. But I would like to hear like Drake and Kendrick Lamar's response to this. I mean, because I want to hear Kendrick. I ain't heard Kendrick in a while. And I think that Kendrick pays attention to these things. I think he pays attention to a Big Sean. I think he pays attention to a J. Cole. I think he pays attention to the lyricism on those albums. So I would like to see what Kendrick has uh, to match that. So I'm hoping Kendrick comes out soon and it, it matches the intensity of the last two Big Sean and J. Cole albums. Um, I don't think I'm going to get that with Drake. I'm not going to hold my breath. I've been holding my breath trying to get another, you know, Drake just giving me heavy bars, but I don't think that's coming anytime soon. You might not get that until Drake's ready to give up and kind of just put in put on rap shit for fun. Now I do like the fact on that Nicki album that it seems like Nicki's trying to get back to rapping. You know, Nicki's trying to get back, or at least let y'all know she did used to do that before she went, you know, for the mega money. But let y'all know. On that beam me up, Scotty, you can tell she can spit, she can rap, but she just hadn't been, you know. They it's better to be in pop than it is to be in rap. It's more profitable. Everybody knows that. You know what I mean? So it, it just makes sense. But you would hope like at some point that they'll get the money and then they will just go back. But Nikki got something to prove. So I think Nikki's next album, you're gonna hear some bars on that. Because some people that came met her, like she can't spit. And she can't do that anymore. And I don't think I don't think she likes that. And that's one reason why I think she released that Beam Me Up Scotty to let y'all know. Then they put that C in green on there. Just to remind you what happens when you put Wayne, uh, Nikki, and Drake on a, on a track together. You know, Wayne wakes up, which uh, Wayne, might be, Wayne might be gearing up for another run. Now, you know, I'm one of the bigger Wayne fans, and I'm not like a Wayne album fan. There's not a lot of albums of Wayne I like, but I know when Wayne get in his mixtape mode where he's spitting on mixtapes, where he's freestyling, where he's killing every feature, um, that Wayne might be coming back. I don't know what was going on. Maybe he was stressed out with the cash money um, situation, but... Wayne, when he first came back after kind of you're not kind of hearing from him, he finally put out like the Carter Three, and then he put out the other uh, joint I didn't like. And then, you know, even on some verses, he was like, oh, I think Wayne's washed. But we said that about Wayne before. You know what I'm saying? We thought Wayne was washed after the Cash Money days, and he went on a one of probably the crazier runs of any artist 
in history, in my opinion. Like, I think the whole way that everything happens in rap is because is of Wayne. It, it goes to my argument how I say, yes, LeBron James is either the best player ever or he's in competition with Mike for the best player ever. But Stephen Curry changed the game more than both of them. You know what I mean? It's those certain players that, like, really change how we play against play the game like he made it to the point where if you can't guard a pick and roll as a center then you can't be on the court you have to be able to move your feet and guard a guard he made you can't be a point guard that can't shoot like russell westbrook shoots like 43 percent from the field in the 90s that'd be a, a pretty average good shooter you could you could be a great player with a 43 percent jump shot not today not today. Kyrie, people don't even know that Kyrie had a crazy season. And he went 50, 40, 90. <laughs> he shot 50% from the field. He had a 40% from the three-point line. And 92% on free throws as a guard. And we talk, and that's not even talking about Dame, Steph Curry. You know what I'm saying? You, some players change the whole game. And that's what Steph Curry did. I would say the same thing for Lil Wayne. Like, you can say whoever you think you're the best rapper of all time is. Whoever it is, you know what I'm saying? Jay-Z, Tupac, Biggie, Redman. I know some niggas like Redman. You know what I'm saying? Like, whoever you think your favorite rapper is, I don't think it matters. Because for better or worse, I think Lil Wayne changed the game completely. <laughs> With lyricism, that harmony, that uh, whatever they call that shit, where they say, like, Lil Wayne, I think, changed the face of music. You don't have to be the best. You can say that he's not the best, but you can't say he didn't change music for better or worse. I ain't saying it's good. But yeah, so that's one thing that they put us on notice. And I think Wayne might be gearing up for an epic run, man. The last couple of verses, features that I heard him on, it's been crazy. Like I still that that Benny the Butcher record that he on is still like crazy. And Grizel to be making these old niggas get on something something else. Cause that Method Man verse is crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like when they get together, it, it, it just goes crazy. But it, that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, man, I want to see some more of these artists. Like last last year, we got a lot of lyrical joints. I talked about Griselda, um, Joy. Uh, who was it? Uh, Joyner Lucas came out with like three albums. So I thought there was a lot of lyrical joints, and I think we might. I think it was a new appreciation for lyrics that came out last year because there's not no touring. So you got some more heavy lyrical stuff coming out and I, I, I really enjoyed it um like i said that seeing green that shit was hard by Nicki minaj i think they put him on notice i think she got something coming out soon i listened to that 21 savage spiral it's like him on there and then he got his boys on a couple other joints wasn't really feeling it, it was cool but not really my thing um and then i listened to that dj khaled i thought that dj khaled was cool i didn't think i mean i just i you know it's kind of like commercial now you know what I'm saying? When things become commercial, you know the songs that you're going to get on there, but it doesn't have that, that hardcore feel that it used to have. And that feels like there's a lot of money behind it. Like, it's rap, but it's kind of R&B-ish, and, yeah, it's cool. It ain't a bad album, something that you can listen to in the background, but it ain't, it ain't even nothing that I'm going to go back to. That I like the way, I like the joint with Jay-Z and Nas on it. Uh, I like what they were spitting, but... Still, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's cool. It wasn't nothing to go crazy about. Um, but yeah, man, that's kind of that's kind of all the music 
that I listen to. You know what I'm saying? I don't be going through music crazy, but sometimes there's some shit that uh, that play. I just got to talk about. And that J Cole had me on. A, like, man, this is crazy. Um, but yeah, man, I want to get into next some news. One of my favorite podcasts, uh, the Joe Budden podcast, man. A lot of drama going on there. I mean, I've been a fan of the um, Joe Budden contest for um, for for a while. You know, what I mean, back when I don't know, I think it was the Ebro interview when I first started. Because I'm a fan of Joe Budden. I've always been a fan of Joe Budden. Like, I'm probably one of the only ones that love the album. The album, you know, I, I bought it off the strength of him killing mixtapes. So even when Fire and Pump It Up came out, and I was like, "What the fuck is this? This ain't even the Joe Button that I thought I was gonna get." I went ahead and bought the album, and then that's the Joe Button I thought I was gonna get. But I think the people that don't know Joe Button and ain't followed Joe Button, I don't know how. That's the only thing I can think of of how people didn't kind of foresee this kind of happening at some point and shit if you've been listening to the pod you should have been able to foresee this coming or some version of this coming now before i go into talking about all the stuff within there maybe i don't know shit just like nobody else um people take these sides like cripping blood like one side's telling the total truth like joe button's lying and more rory and maul is telling the truth and rory and maul's lying and you don't know you ain't in there You ain't had none of these conversations So how are you taking a side It's like having friends Like being friends with both people in a relationship And both of them gonna have a side Both of them probably think that they're right Because they both see it From their perspective Now yes there are some facts Involved but if you don't know All the facts it's impossible For you to really take a side Now what you can take from is some consistencies from both sides that you're hearing where it's consistent so it has to be true it's just how each side perceives it which makes it different wrong or right in their eyes but before i get into that i just want to point out i don't think that we can 100 percent rule out that this isn't a rollout for the Rory and Maul podcast. No, it sounds crazy. No, it sounds like they hate each other and this friendship is over and it's all good storyline. But one thing I noticed, they talk about a lot of shit in the podcast. If you pay attention, they always talk about rollouts. For a while now, like, you know, the Rory and Maul, they don't want to do a podcast. Like that's one thing But there's time There's been times where he's actively Been pushing them And trying to kind of push them On the audience And it didn't really work during that Spotify deal And it didn't really work And I bet you they were Testing you know because if you're Smart like I give them dudes A little more credit because the moves They've been making they've been kind of Paving the way for a not only podcasts, but, you know, black podcasts. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if all the smoke gets to their podcast without, you know, the Joe Budden podcast. You know, even though they do a little something different. But you know what I'm saying? Like, Gillian Wallow, I think Brilliant Idiots already had theirs. But I think that Joe Budden has to be getting credit for that. I think a lot of people give Joe Budden credit for that in this space. But that's the reason why I have, 
a portion of my brain feels like this shit could be orchestrated and planned. And it could be orchestrated and planned for a rollout to get Rory and Maul hot. If you listen to what Joe Button says on one of those explanation videos after he let go of Rory or on the one he let go of Rory, when he was explaining about the podcast network. Because remember, one thing to remember, the network only really jumped off and happened after the Spotify deal. After the Spotify deal. Then there was like, what are they going to do? Blah, blah, blah. Then the network came. And they had the little video about the network. So all this stuff about ownership and stuff going on with the network. But this beef supposedly has been going on since two years into the or since year two of the Spotify deal which the network wasn't even there so it can't even be about splitting money or anything coming out of the revenue and now it could be about being signed but that that Joe Button having a Spotify deal and they're signed to Joe Button even if that's the case all the revenue is coming from Spotify <laughs> Oh, we'll get at that. But it doesn't like 100% make sense without all the details. And they won't get the details. Both of them have reasons why they won't get the exact details. Shit changes of how they was getting paid, what they were getting. All this shit, it sounds like a story has been orchestrated on the fly to me. That's just to me. The more I think about it, the more I think about shit they talk about on the pod, it doesn't make sense to me that they're potting and while in the Spotify deal they have these rants about ownership for Joe Button to get on and let her say no Rory asked a long time ago for ownership and then I was like no I'm not selling nothing it doesn't really fit with what they talked about like a bunch of stuff and I, he could just be and that would make Joe Button wrong because if you're on there and you're preaching that all these creators should get ownership, ownership, blah, 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 ownership of the podcast, but then you don't give them any ownership. Then you give them 10%, you still make the final decision. If they're 10% sharing a profit and they don't want any of the IP, then they have a certain level of ownership. So they should have a certain level of input. That's what I'm saying. Like to make a firm decision, who you think is in the right or wrong. I think that you would need a lot more detail because to me personally, what they are all saying, it doesn't really add up. I do believe that there was some type of miscommunication at some point. I do believe that there was an argument. I do believe that there was altercation. I believe that they got into it. But I also believe, I believe that Ishnum came, you know what I mean, and did the little podcast or whatever. And at that point, I think there was a conversation. They talked about the five-hour conversation. And Maul said he was done. And you know what I'm saying? But Rory supposedly talked him back into it. So after that happens, they go on and then they do a podcast where on the podcast, Joe is trying to get them to say something. Like he's been, like if you listen to the podcast, the podcast kind of been awful because they don't really talk about nothing until there's a beef. Which is another point. The only time in the past probably like two years where they've had really, really good podcasts 
is when they are beefing with someone. When they're either beefing with um, brilliant idiots, Charlemagne, academics, beef is what usually makes their episodes so good. Or it's the rants. Or it's the Joe Button rants talking about business. So what if you orchestrated a beef with your friends about business and ownership? And then these friends, you know, decide I can do what Joe Button did and leave and start my own podcast. Pretty good rollout, right? Because immediately when uh, Joe Button goes to fire these guys, he puts his podcast on Patreon. And not the $5 Patreon package he got, he put it on the $10 Patreon package. Now, he explained that by saying, hey, if I was going to talk to the guy like that, i try to put it behind a paywall. Okay, believable, I guess, but probably boosted subscriptions on the Joe Button Network. The fact that you put that on there, and even if it's for one time, like most people don't cancel their stuff when they post it. That's why it's the, the foot in the door technique, and you know this will popular, but... He's been kind of reluctant to do that because he has these loyal fans that are used to getting it for free. How can you transition people to going to more Patreon where they're getting the main content for free because maybe these extras that I'm putting out, they're not working. You know what I mean? Maybe even the Ish and um, the Ish podcast with Ish and Ice, maybe that's not working on Patreon once the guys got back. See, I feel like all these are like tests. Like testing the market to see the ratings. Okay, let's test the market to see the ratings with Ish and Ice. Okay, they're on par. Let's test the market where we put Ish and Ice on Patreon and then bring the guys back. And let's test that and see what the ratings are. And see what it does. Oh, because I think that he's been trying to push Maul. And they've they've done some shows with Maul. Um, and and Rory leading it, and I, I'm, I'm, I wasn't a fan. That's what I mean. But then after this, in a response video, Rory and Maul do their response video, and they charge two dollars. And then we see what that do. You know what I'm saying? Seems to be pretty popular. And honestly, if that's the mall that I'm getting, I would listen to their podcast because that ain't the mall that's been giving it up <laughs> for a while. But if that's the mall that I'm getting, because I'm not really a fan of Rory, but I like Maul. I think Maul's cool, but if he ain't going to respond to nothing, he ain't going to read nothing, he ain't going to see nothing, he ain't going to talk about nothing, he don't want to get into it, you know, they ain't talking about nothing. So I, I, that would be one thing. But if I'm getting this mall, it will be different. So I just think this all could have been possibly an orchestrated rollout. Now, I don't know that for sure. That's one possibility. Second possibility is, Everything that they're, they're saying is true. And if that's the case, and that's the source of the argument, then I got some thoughts about that too. <laughs> from the simple fact that from jump, I think this is a good time to talk about like friendship. Like I think the word friend gets thrown around way too loosely in the world. People that you just associate with, or people that you're just cool being around or you think are cool, people have a tendency to call them friends because you hung out a couple of times and I hung out a few times. As I said, like I've been following Joe Budden for a long time. I don't follow. I follow, I, I listen to the Joe Budden podcast 
because of Joe Button. I don't listen because of Rory Amal. When it's really interesting, it's because of Joe Button. It's not because of Rory Amal. Um, you can see shit that for, for a long time, people have kind of been telling them that they're disposable and they're kind of right, but that's probably one of the problems that you see several situations where people are saying that and he's and Joe Button's not defending his guy, right? But you also see guys that Joe Button respects. No matter what he may say about some dudes, you know he respects them because he says it. And he respects Charlemagne. And I feel like Charlemagne's been trying to tell these dudes that for a while. <laughs> for a while. He's been trying to tell those dudes that they're, and you know, Charlemagne's blunt. You like Charlemagne, you don't like Charlemagne. It don't matter. But Charlemagne is pretty blunt, right or wrong. He's gonna, that's why I like listening to Charlemagne. But I listen because of Joe Budden. I like Joe Budden because he's flawed. He knows he's flawed. He says shit about himself all the time. He appears to know himself, but also, knowing yourself doesn't mean that you can fix everything about yourself and you can stop everything. Sometimes there's a buildup and that person inside just comes out and it just, it makes him entertaining. That's why people follow and look at Joe Button. So all this stuff of people showing that they're unsubscribed and they're never listening to Joe Button again, it's just hard for me to believe that you are tuning in to listen to Maul and Roy. Probably cool dudes, got nothing against them. I'm probably just as boring as them whatever point still remains. <laughs> you know what I mean I just I just it's hard for me to believe that uh, and it could be true you know what I mean but at the end of the day you have to know who you're hanging around and know the people around you and from the outside looking in what it appears to me is it appears that Joe Button and Maul were actually friends like they were friends they lived together they used to kick it right but also they are probably friends that have grown apart and they were probably friends they were close but they're probably like party friends like the friend that you really like to kick it with you know what i mean when they were living together and joe button doesn't seem to be in that place anymore he says when maul came back he hadn't talked to him which means they were cool when they were in the same place when they left they wasn't friends like hey we need to check on each other see how you're doing but could be because joe burns joe Burns an introvert whatever but they couldn't have been as tight as people think you know what i mean so that's one problem um you're still basing everything off a relationship that you had when two people grow apart and they're completely different people now and now you're friends with each other again but it ain't the same ain't gonna be the same because you're two different people like you have to change even the friends that you're you spend every day when around all the time you know what i'm saying you see each other's growth and y'all change together and that might mean that y'all don't hang out as much but i do believe maul and joe button were actually friends and they were still operating off that basis i think that rory was like the work friend like he's cool hang out but it's not anything like you know what I'm saying? Push come to shove is not a big deal. You know what I'm saying? We quit talking, whatever. It's not a big deal. Cool guy, like him, but it's not a ton of value in that friendship. And that probably means you're not friends. You're probably just associates. So I believe that Rory and, Ma um, Rory and Joe Button were just associates. 
throughout this course at some point in time through conversation or through connection because i believe joe button doesn't go out doesn't hang out doesn't kick it which was probably the basis of his, his friendship with maul because maul still seems to be in into that sort of thing rory seems to be into that sort of thing he introduced these two dudes and then they start hanging out and kicking it they become cool Joe Budden probably has seen this for a while. That's probably why he started making a little joke about the Mixie Boys. Because, like his therapist said, some of that sarcasm and joke joking is hurt. You know what I mean? Even men, a lot of men act like they don't get hurt, but some of that's hurt. And so, you hear him joking, you know, Mixie Boys. Joe kind of wears that shit on his sleeve. He's going to say shit, and he'll say shit a lot of times. So, I think that Maul and Rory started hanging out, becoming closer, and they developed a friendship that was more authentic than the friendship that um, Maul had with Joe Button. I think that Rory and Maul's friendship is more authentic than the one he had with Joe Button because Joe Button's friendship with uh, Maul is based on the past and a person that he probably used to be and a person that he's not now. And although they're cool and they probably still hang out and get along with, they say it all the time. They don't talk as much. They don't kick it. But Rory and Maul was actively talking, actively kicking it. And Maul says, I don't know this nigga. And he's right. He doesn't know that nigga no more. That's not the nigga that he used to know. It's not. Joe's a whole different person. You go back and look at Joe on YouTube. He's a whole different nigga than he is now. Whole different person. So, of course, Maul's not going to know he only kind of still knows him off of that stuff. So he sees him changing and he doesn't understand it. But Mo Rory's not changing because he met Rory and he connected with Rory in the time of their lives where we're in a time where they're both on the same kind of level. And so I think that they're authentic friends now, which shouldn't cause a problem, but it calls a rift when Joe Button still thinks that Maul is that friend that's gonna have his back no matter what, right? So he feels like he doesn't have to worry about Maul because he doesn't realize how close Maul's got with Rory. He feels like this is my man. If he has a problem, my man will come and talk to me because that's my man. He ain't gonna like get mad and go talk to Rory because that's my man. So you hear him on the pod saying there was no scenario where he ever thought that Maul was side with Rory. No matter if you're completely wrong, because a lot of times that's how you grow up. Like, hey, you get in a fight with your man, with, with your boy, even with some people that y'all were kind of cool with. Your boy help you. Now, he's beefing with them, too. You're completely wrong. But when you get back to the house, even though your boy helped you, your boy defended you, when you get back to the house, you got to tell your boy, yo, bro, what the fuck? <laughs> and then you be honest with you when you tell him he's wrong. I think that's what Joe Budden expected. Even if he's wrong with how he handles Rory, it shouldn't matter because you're my man. And why would you get mad? Because I know you trust me because you're my man. Rory, like I said, it's the work friend. And he's always asking about this damn accounting. Didn't the accountant send it to him? I sent him over the damn finance. Like Rory's talked like he wants a whole financial statement, right? And I guess they're just sending him accounting and books. I mean, back in the day, books was done in like ledgers. So maybe they use Excel or some type of accounting program that probably prints out on Excel. 
he's probably looking for like some audit. That's what I said. Joe Budden said it. Like he probably he wants to do an audit because he's looking for like official like financial statements. Roy keeps saying that it wasn't that big of a deal. He just wanted this paperwork, and that's what made him mad. It's kind of hard to believe. You have to think that you're getting you're not getting paid less. Now I actually think if what they're saying is true is that Rory's beef is not with the percentage, not with the profit sharing. It's the fact that he wants, he, he felt like he built that and he wanted to have part ownership, right? And I, I still think it's crazy, and I think this is where Joe Budden's wrong, where he came on his podcast today, said he agreed with Kevin Hart, poor leadership, and I 1,000% agree with that. Because if all this shit is true, it's bad that Joe Budden not only refuses to give Rory any type of ownership in the business, even if it's the smallest minute portion because at the end of the day even if you did give him a small minute portion you're still the majority if you gave him 10% and mild 10% you're still 80% ownership which they can't do anything even if they put their percentages together like what can they do and then if you didn't give it to him now you're going on these episodes ranting on Spotify and all this stuff talking about ownership and creative while the dude sitting next to you don't even have any ownership on something they built. That fucking condescending that would be. <laughs> That'd be crazy. That's why. That's why I kind of don't believe it. Because if that's the case, no wonder they got mad. How are you gonna keep sit, sit here and keep saying that and do all this contract talk and talk about people are stupid and people don't know what's in their contract? Like this is what Joe Button of Joe Button Podcast has been talking about for like the past two years. You mean to tell me they're all talking about this and they don't know their contract? And they don't have any ownership in not the Joe Button Podcast Network, but the Joe Button Podcast, which they're on for at least 300 episodes. <laughs> you even hear like the staff say that they thought that Rory and Maul were their boss. And if that's the case, when Rory and Maul is talking about them, they're getting mad because you're giving people raises and not talking about it because even though you're 80% owner, they're still minority owners. They at least deserve to be notified of something. So yes, they're on the Joe Button podcast and Spotify, I'm assuming, signed Joe Button. But if you're you signing them under them as a profit, but you don't want to give them a percentage and the contracts with you, but still, they're they're your partners in some way if they got a percentage. Even if they're signed to you, you gave them 10% ownership of this. So they still, the discussion still needs to go through them. Even if you have final decision, it's your podcast, controls things, the ego thing. But then again, you got to have some responsibility because if Joe Button didn't give you ownership, and you're not having that shit negotiated in <laughs> and you're having your lawyers do it and you don't know that there's some type of problem you know what I'm saying you're talking to everybody else about ownership contracts such and such and then you're not having your lawyer negotiate any ownership shares any type of say in the hiring and things of that nature well if you sign that contract and you don't know what's in there then that's kind of your fault Right, and I'm not saying that I'm not. I'm not saying, like it can happen. It happens to a lot of people, but at that point, it's on you 
to play out that contract and be like, nah, next time it ain't going like that. Now, maybe all this happened during renegotiations, whatever. But it seems like everyone said that they were mad about accounting because they weren't getting accounting. Then they said they were getting accounting, but they didn't like the style that the accounting was coming in. Hence the Excel files. I don't like those. I think it should be this. If you're asking, well, what are you looking for? What do you want? Do you even know what you're asking for? Do you even know what you want? What are you actually looking for? Because when you're seeing the accounting, you don't believe that the accounting is correct. Don't believe the accounting is correct. And you believe that somebody is doing something nefarious. It only can be the accounting company or Joe. Since Joe's Joe's their man, it seems like they were trying to say the accounting company. But if Joe is saying, I trust this accounting company, I've been doing this accounting company and they're listening to me and y'all are still saying something is wrong when somebody's cheating, then at some point it's kind of like, are y'all saying that I'm trying to steal money for y'all? You got to say what you mean. A lot of this is just because they don't have direct conversation. Joe don't understand that Maul is now more Rory's man than he is your man. They have a bond. They have a friendship. Now when Rory's telling him all these things, I'm pretty sure Rory was the one that's really pushing for accounting, really pushing for whatever he's trying to do. And I don't even 100% know that Maul knows 100% what Rory was looking for. But Rory's really pushing the accounting, pushing to see something. Now Maul is listening to his new man Rory. And even though Joe's still his man, he's probably like making excuses, this, this, and that. He probably really don't think it's big a deal because he knows Joe ain't really... He, he 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 knows Joe. He knows Joe, you know, don't care about money. You know what Maul says. I believe him. And so then after that, but to say that, Maul is still paying attention though. Maul is a dude that's looking and watching and kind of analyzing. He probably don't talk, he probably don't say nothing. It's probably one of the reasons why Joe wanted him on there, because they connect. So Maul is watching. Now he's seeing that every time Rory, his new man, is asking Joe Button, his old man, what's up with this accounting? And Joe Button is just flexing. I'm like, who are you? Quit asking me shit, nigga. I don't owe you nothing. You can leave. Now, it's a different context when he's talking to Rory like that. Because he's not just talking to the white boy or the, the dude that he was, the dude, other host that he don't really know. He's talking to my homeboy like that. And why are you acting like that? He just wants some accounting files. So he probably been trying to get in the middle of it you know what i'm saying and smooth it out and joe button like man you know blowing it off because he doesn't realize that maul is now rory's man <laughs> and so every time he brushes it off it kind of builds up in maul's head like yo what is this nigga hiding like why he, why he won't why he won't just you know what i'm saying get a nigga what he wants if it ain't nothing to show just be 100 and give him what he wants you know what i'm saying but he probably still tries to be partial he's probably been the glue for a long time then it culminates into Rory's probably been hot for a while because of these raises that he's been giving you early on the show. You get the new podcast network now. Now funds are going to a different place. And it's pretty probably was the straw that broke the camel's back, honestly, with the accounting thing. Because it's cool. It's only so much you can hide. They said that they looked at it. They realized that they were overpaid. Everybody kind of acknowledged that Joe was overpaying them based on whatever they were supposed to be paid, whether it's a percentage, whether it's a salary, whatever it was. They all acknowledged that. They all acknowledged that Joe was overpaying. They were not underpaid. 
They do believe that either Joe turned down a deal or Joe got more money from the Spotify deal than he's saying. But I think that came later after feelings got involved. In general, I don't think they felt like that to begin with. Right? And so when you put all that together, it comes down to now you have this network. You put two shows on. Those shows, you're not doing it in Park's house. You're not using that studio equipment. So you had to spend money to go get new equipment, a new place. Like, where is this money going from? Is this coming out of my percentage? And Joe was like, no, it's not coming out of your percentage because you're assigned to me. When we didn't have a deal, I still paid you. Then I went out and got these other deals to make sure you pay because I'm doing everything to act like the boss. You guys are just coming and recording. That's all you do is come and record. I'm going out there. I'm finding deals and make sure you get paid. Whenever we wasn't having a Spotify deal and there was no money came out, I used money from my own ventures, which is out of my own pocket, which means the accounting company <laughs> was doing Joe's deals. All that was under Joe. That was Joe's accountants. That's why they don't deserve to see nothing. It wasn't nothing for them. It was all under Joe's money because there was no network. And the podcast wasn't signed under all of them for like a network account it's all joe's money <laughs> at the end of the day because the deal is signed to him and they're signed under joe so it's not even their money they don't they don't they can't they don't have to see the accounting how can they see the accounting you can't see my personal accounting <laughs> no you can't see my personal accounting but it depends on the wording in their net of what net of the podcast or net of what Joe Button actually earns. If the contract says it's net or whatever the podcast is bringing in, then there wouldn't be any accounting to show them because the podcast don't have a deal. And then they said when the Patreon deal came, they got paperwork to see. And they were like, oh, that's a lot of money. They didn't have a problem with that. So it just seems like they were probably getting some form of accounting that they were okay with they just didn't like the format but then after they lost the spotify deal they weren't getting the same accounting and they were like well where's the money at and joe button said there was no money because we didn't have a deal all the revenue you send and they're probably thinking well if there's no money and we got a deal how are you starting another podcast how are you starting these two how do they got all new equipment all new furniture how do they have all that how how is savon and all these dudes erickson how they getting raises you're saying that there's no deal and there's no money Oh, bro, you had to get more off the Spotify deal than you told us. You this there's half of me because you're spending way too much money out here to be like, there's no deal. Where's all this money coming from? Joe is claiming that that money is coming from him. He said he's pulling from his own personal funds. But they want to see accounting. You're not going to be able to see accounting of his personal funds. Because if he's right and he's saying that every, he was signed under the deal, then all that is under his personal account. If where's all this money coming from, It's on. he's saying it's under his personal deal. The deals that he had revoked. The cash app deal. These are deals that Joe made. Under his own personal brand, not under the podcast, not under the podcast network. And it's hard for me to believe that they would have any portion of the podcast Networks revenue because they ain't did their new contract yet and they just came out with the podcast network. That's what I'm saying. It's a lot of details in their contract and who exactly were they signed to because Joe Button said that they were signed to him. And if they're signed to him, it doesn't matter if you're signed to TI 
it don't matter what T.I. deal says. It matters what your deal says with T.I. He's not paying you based on the revenue that he's getting from his record deal. He's paying you off the revenue of the stuff that you produce. So, I don't know. It, it, it sounds crazy, but a lot of it comes down to friendship. I think the big part is that Rory and Maul were friends. But you got to know who you're around. You got to know who your friends are. You got to know when friends grow apart. You got to you gotta do a check on that. People just take that for granted and just be like, things are the same. But you got to kind of do a check on that. And I don't I don't blame Maul because even if Maul was the glue and he's trying to play both ways, like I ain't going to let nobody tell me this ain't none of your business. Regardless of the contract said, like we've been operating like we all have a say, right? And I don't really even ask you about none of this stuff. So, like, what do you mean the podcast? You telling me something that I've been on, something I've been putting work into, something I help you build? You gonna tell me this ain't it's none of my business that I have no say in what's going on? So you just think I'm I'm just your employee? You can tell me what to do and do whatever you want. No, I don't have to work. I won't do it. I don't blame them. 100% with mom. 100% with mom. But I will say it's suspicious that they came back. Joe tried to address them, get them to say what's really on their mind. They were all kind of going around the issue, not really talking directly. I think Maul did say what really upset him is the respect in that comment. I think that comment was big for Maul. But the fact they came back, they tried to address, they tried to discuss it, but it's kind of all over the place. Like, Joe seemed like he was trying to get them to say what they said in a meeting because at the end of the day, Joe always lives, like, with his life out there. He'll tell you he don't care, whatever right wrong whatever he's gonna say it he might come back change his mind and flip his stance later but it's gonna come out and i think he was trying to get them to really say what their problem was so he can address it and they can be direct and they can have a real conversation i don't think that happened so if they would have quit after that episode i'd be like okay i get it couldn't work it out they come back next episode and the next episode was kind of trash they wasn't really talking about nothing. His um, Maul didn't seem like he really wanted to be there, really wanted to talk. Still understand, because Maul said he's still thinking about, this fool just told me that this pod ain't none of my business. Anything I work with him, this is a respect issue. I understand all that. So I understand he would still be mad. That would still have some work to do. That would still need to be fixed. That would still need to be resolved. But then after that episode, they go on vacation. You know, Joe Budden go on vacation, he come back. Then they don't show up. And he's heated because he said he just got a call right before that. Well, what happened in between there? So I don't know. It just, it just all sounds fishy. But at the end of the day, it's a big misunderstanding, big miscommunication. You got you to do check with your friends, man. Make sure they say your friends. You got to have conversations. You got to talk. You got to say what's on your mind. You can't just keep shit bottled up thinking that everything's going to be cool just because we're friends. Because it doesn't always work like that. And everybody got to know the role that they play, man. Everybody's not your best friend. Everybody's not your associate. Um, sometimes your role is to be that. You know what I mean? Just to be that supporting member. Maybe you're not a star. You got to kind of know your role. What you accept. What you're willing to accept. Um, that kind of brings me in. Talking about roles. I've been, been hearing a lot looking a lot at this Kevin Samuels you know what I'm saying I think I think he's an entertaining person but it's not like I don't take what he says as gold you know what I mean it's kind of like watching Jerry Springer like I watch Jerry Springer because I like ignorance 
I liked watching Love and Hip Hop for a long time just because of the fights and his ignorance. I'm not above saying that. It's the only reason I like the Kevin Sanders. I don't actually take the dude serious. But then I was listening to Ryan Davis, talented dude. It's on Instagram. He was on Patreon now, 301 Studios on Patreon. Entertaining stuff, comedian. But dude is entertaining. He, he has a lot of unique points. And I watched his little videos that he made. And then it made it, I kind of kind of saw what he was saying. Because I think, like, you know, you got the whole civil war going on between black men, black women, black women saying that black men don't support them. Um, a lot of black men or a lot of men are intimidated by these strong women. A lot of this comes from, you know, the broken families that we have from the 90s and the drug eras with all these single moms and all these single moms have raised men and women and you know that's what we've seen so we had that so the family structure the black family structure is kind of out of whack i mean i think we can all agree to that to some sort you know what i mean not to agree with all my opinions but to some sort i think we'd all agree that the black family structure is out of whack you know what i mean so you get a guy like kevin samuel who it's kind of a blunt, honest person. I'm talking about some of these uh, these personalities that we like to see that we think are speaking truth and they're loud and they don't care what they say or, you know, people, you know, I've seen these dynamics before. It's not the first time we've seen, it, seen these dynamics, right? But he comes in and he starts saying stuff and it goes viral because how he's standing up and talking to black women and, you know, saying it like, what about now? Early on, I was kind of defending him, like, well, you know, when he first starts talking, he ain't really saying that. It's usually they insult him, then he say something back, and then it's like that. But now it's kind of just like, that's what you show up for. You show up for him to talk over him, you know, call him names, you know, bring him down. And even him, he says himself, he was doing that to black men for a long time, and then he didn't really get a lot of publicity for doing it. But it's blowing up now that he's doing the black women, right? But also, it's because black women look at it. Black women, like, pay him, supposedly, to counsel him. They're going and they want to hear what he says. No matter how brash he is, no matter how disrespectful he is, no matter what he's saying, like, people are saying the same thing. And they're still going to him, asking him for advice. You know what I mean? And it's bringing in ratings. But... When I was watching that Ryan Davis video, he's pretty much saying, and you can go watch for yourself to get the, like, see the full thing. He's pretty much saying the, the most dangerous part about it is not maybe Kevin Samuels himself. It's more of all these dudes that think Kevin Samuel or that he's speaking for them. Like these weak dudes that can't really speak for themselves and are scared to stand up to women or don't know how to stand up to women or, you know what I'm saying? these dudes are like championing it and they're tuning in you know what i mean it's like something something odd you know what i mean it's no longer so what he was pretty much saying is that when jerry springer started out jerry springer did a show and it was like he's a senator so it was like a political like show he brought in some like somebody um that was in like politics and you know the well thought out show and then once the first fight happened on there and ratings jumped you start seeing transgender midgets dating their cousin. 
Because that, and you start seeing it every episode. It wasn't like every three episodes anymore. This was like every episode you seen something crazier and crazier and crazier until eventually it just turned into the WWE. Like we're not even trying to fake it anymore because nobody cares. They just want to see entertainment. They want to see craziness. They want to see silliness. And that's kind of what Kevin Sanders is becoming. At one point, it seems like he was trying to explain like the high class male's point of view or to keep people kind of realistic or you know in his eyes or, you know whatever he was trying to do but now it's just kind of becoming a sideshow and i agree i mean because there's always a way to say something like i learned that like i'm i'm kind of a blunt person but i've learned as i've gotten older like yeah you can say what's on your mind but you don't have to say it the way it first comes on your mind you know what i mean you can kind of to yourself and not be outside your own character but there's a better way to say things everything doesn't always have to be aggressive and even the funny stuff about it that i like i still always say i think if he just did it more with men it would be acceptable if you see the same clips going around that he's doing with men that he's doing with women i think it would be i think he would be less controversial but the thing is is I don't think a lot of men are going to subject themselves to it like women. Like some people come on there just to argue with them. Some people come on there because they just want to know his opinion. You know what I mean? But I just don't think it's a good look overall. If it goes back to being more what it started off as early, maybe. But now it's look, it looks like he's just playing it for ratings. If he's just playing it for ratings and disrespecting black women just for ratings and not really trying to you know I don't even want to say educate or give them your perspective because they are asking for his perspective let's not get it twisted you can always just not look at him because that's why he stopped doing it with men he said nobody wanted to see it quit watching him quit spreading it quit retweeting it quit talking about it he'll probably go away he's not because not only are men interested in it women are interested in it too women are watching them when they're going on there to try to disprove and whatnot you can always just ignore and you go away a lot of that shit is on ratings he's doing all that shit because it's popular and it's not just gonna be men that's going to send him up because he has to have somebody to talk to women quit calling in and quit asking them questions so he must some i don't watch him that's just because i don't care what he thinks i mean he says some funny shit but i'm not watching him to learn anything so i don't watch him <laughs> like I'm, I have my own opinions. I don't need to watch him. Uh, I see the clips. Sometimes it's funny. Uh, sometimes if it's something specific that somebody want me to watch, I watch it. But I'm not a regular that's watching him. So I don't understand why women are still calling him or paying him or whatever they're doing. He's not a clinical psychologist. So take away his audience. Take away the group of people that he's talking to, and he'll go away. But there's a reason why he's still there. Because not only do men want to hear him. Women want to hear them too. But last but not least, let's get to my man Kwame Brown. So, you yeah, have been following this story. Gilbert Arenas, Agent Zero, went on the All the Smoke podcast with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. And Gilbert Arenas at some point played with Kwame Brown. Um, in, in with Washington Wizards, Matt Barnes hadn't, but Stephen Jackson played with them in Charlotte. All right. So I didn't even see this interview, 
Uh, I saw clips of people were talking, and then Kwame Brown responded. And I heard Kwame Brown's response, so I went back and listened to the podcast. First and foremost, I'm going to say, I don't think those dudes said anything crazy. Because I've heard people say way worse on TV about Kwame Brown. People talk about Kwame Brown all the time. They call him a buzz. It's probably a build-up situation. I think what happened is the same thing would happen with Joe Budden and rappers. Is that it's not the point that everybody's been saying the same thing. It's just that, dude, you rap. How you gonna come and say the same thing and you know? Like, you know how it goes. You know the politics. You know the game. So for y'all to get on there and say that about me and y'all know... Like, Gil, you my homie. I know you. Steve Jackson, we never had no problems. I thought we was cool. Like, hey, y'all gonna get on there and say that. That's what I tell you. Because they didn't say any, anything outrageous. I mean, I think Gilbert Arena said that, you know, when he went to Washington, he came in and, you know, Kwame Brown was there. Kwame Brown's the number one pick. Uh, we got to decide whose team it is. I make the most money, so I think it's my team. And then he started talking about, like, the problems with Kwame Brown, where he said that, you know, Kwame was a young, he was drafted by his mentor, he was drafted by his mentor, his mentor was a bully. You know, I heard his stories of how Michael Jordan's a bully. Um, kind of hurt his confidence, you know. Kind of just talking about that. It wasn't, I don't even think it was crazy. You know what I mean? I don't think anything he said is crazy. Maybe he just shouldn't be talking about him on period. That's one thing. But I don't think it was something like that was ultra respectful. And then Stephen Jackson turns around and says, Matt Barnes thinks that Kwame Brown is the best number one pick ever. Obviously a joke, because we all know he's able to bust. Matt Barnes slapped Steven Jackson's leg, and for some reason, that just completely set everything off in Kwame's head. And now Kwame thinks that Matt Brown, Matt, uh, <laughs> Matt, uh, Matt Barnes is the orchestrator of everything just because of that, because Matt didn't say nothing. <laughs> Matt didn't say nothing, bro. That's crazy. Because he blames Matt. He's so viral and Matt. And Matt really didn't even say nothing. So that had to be something. That has to be something else. Or he just believes Steven Jackson and insinuating that uh, Matt Barnes talks about him behind his back. Right. So we had all that go down. And then Kwame comes back. And Kwame makes some excellent points. Uh, excellent point. And I'm not talking about the All the Smoke podcast. I'm really talking about him just explaining like why it was hard for him. Because you know we have this thing of saying you know players are bums and they're sorry, but truthfully, like the the 12th person on a G League team that can't even get in the G League game is head and shoulders probably better than. The best player on your high school, unless the best player on your high school is one of those dudes, maybe. Other than that, most people probably head and shoulders better than the best player on your. He come to your gym, you probably ain't never seen nothing like it. So, like Kwame says, they're in a certain fraternity where they should respect the struggle to get to that point in which what less than one percent <laughs> can do. So just making it. Is one thing. Like, you should respect it on that alone. You shouldn't be called a bust just on that alone. Like, he said, bought his mom my house. You know what I'm saying? He's rich. He's good. No way he can be a bust. He's played for 13 years in the NBA. Feel him on that. But I also like the part 
that he said, I wish somebody would like confirm it. I don't know if they have or not, but I haven't seen confirmation of him saying that he was actually drafted so that they could trade Elton Brain. So they could trade for Elton Brain from the Bulls. And then I've heard some stories like this before because I heard that um, Jordan really wanted Jamal Crawford. And he was trying to trade the Bulls for Jamal Crawford. But Bulls wasn't really messing with him like that. And it's probably the same thing could have happened that he thought he had something in the works to get. Like that number one pick was supposed to go there for Elton Brand. And that Kwame is the type of center that they were looking for. They ended up dra- drafting, you know, um, Tyson Chandler and Eddie Curry. You know what I mean? And so maybe they did want Kwame Brown. Maybe the Bulls wanted Kwame Brown. They thought that they could use that pick, and Jordan thought he could use that pick in order to get Elton Brand. That doesn't go through. Now you have a player that you just drafted, and you just spent the number one pick on that you didn't want. Because you're trying to win now. You didn't even want a rookie. You're trying to even like rookies. You didn't even want one. Not, not only you, you got him, but you don't even think he's good. <laughs> so now you try to make him a 17-year-old kid out of high school that's a big man that really ain't even grown into his talent now. You're trying to make him, because this is Jordan's comeback. He's like 40. He's definitely in win now mode. He ain't got time to be <laughs> building up players. So yeah, I can see why he had that animosity. It sounded like there was a trade or something happened and Poland um, Poland wouldn't let Jordan pull the trigger on him. And that's kind of what happened. And I can see how that would fuck up his whole career because a lot of everything in the NBA is opportunity. Man. You see it all the time. So the system is opportunity. One of the big things is system. Second big thing is, op- well, the first big thing is opportunity. And the second is system. Because if you can get minutes, you can get 20 or 30 minutes. Not a lot of players that's getting 20 or 30 minutes is just not productive. Unless they're in a system that completely just fits them. Now, that's not always true. Shout out to Tony Snell, who always manages to somehow get on a team and start and just do nothing. But he's obviously good at something. And like Kwame said, if you're making that roster all the time, you got to be doing something. And Tony, got to be doing something. But that's neither here nor there. But I believe him, man. Uh, I think that he did because I think if Kwame would have came during this era where it's more about your athleticism, it's more about uh, switching on pick and roll, being able to catch lobs at the rim, um, he would have had to get a jump shot. He would have had to work on his jump shot. But I'm not – I don't think that that would have been so much of a problem. But the way Kwame moved, um, the way he rebounded, I think Kwame could have been good if he was in those that's this time period now i think he was just a little ahead of his time because back then it was more still about back to the basket posting up round protection um being a bigger body to compete with some of these bigger centers like the center position was still big it wasn't light like he is like even gilbert said he was probably the fastest person on the team he was a big man so even gilbert clowning him for coming up to him and saying hey no, can I get a can I get a pin down, pick at something at the rim so I can catch oops? And that ain't nothing crazy. Ask for you're a point guard. He makes a good point that he's never really paid to play with a pure point guard. 
Probably the closest yeah. pure point guard they play with is probably a Raymond Felton, I want to say. I think he played with him in Charlotte. But shit, he balled in Charlotte. Looked good. <laughs> probably his best, some of his best games came in Charlotte towards the end of his career. So, I don't know, man. I just kind of went on too long. I don't like the fact that they brought his name up as a joke. And then when he responds, they come back and say he's cloud chasing. They're saying he's cloud chasing because their point is that a million other people have talked about him. Why is he mad at them? But I mean, he doesn't probably care if journalists talk about him. Who cares if Stephen A. Smith? Stephen A. Smith talks about everybody. Whatever. He gets on their screens, blah, 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 does Stephen A. Smith. But it hits different when someone that he feels is in his fraternity that he thought he was friendly with at least two of you. And then y'all get on there and then y'all call him a bus. Because I've heard Stephen, I saw the interview with Stephen A. Smith called him a bus and Jalen um, Jalen Rose defended him. And I don't remember a whole lot of players coming out and just, you know, saying he's bus, saying he's a trash. They're just because y'all players. So if y'all going to do that when he says, bring me on, let me plead my case. I think they should have brought him on. Let him plead his case. They should have had that conversation with him then. Mutual respect. Don't get on there and say, oh, you clout chasing. How he clout chasing and y'all use his name? He wasn't bothering y'all. So if that's the case, at least show him the courtesy of bringing on the show and saying that shit to his face. Seems right to me. Now, after the first, I thought Kwame had a lot of good points. Like, a, a lot of good points in his... Um, in his, his, his hour sitting there, you know what I'm saying? Um, but now it's getting kind of excessive. You know what I mean? You can turn a crowd thinking that you got to respond on every live and go live because now it does look like you're chasing cloud, right? You're on all the time talking about the same thing, like really trying to get on this platform, getting on, telling other people to bring you on their platform because now it does look like now you're trying to build a brand off of that, which makes them probably less likely to be like, nah, we ain't bringing you on. You ain't getting hot off of us because you're doing kind of a Instagram, YouTube tour. I think if you would have just did that first interview, I mean, that first little live, let that, maybe even the second one, after that, let it circulate. Let the people call for you. Build up some demand. You know what I'm saying? You keep giving the people every day for free, and then it's going to be like, all right, because I'm kind of over. I don't even look at them no more. You did so many, I don't even look at them no more. I mean, I, I agree with a lot of his points. Now it's just kind of going back and forth, talking about each other. Now, nah, I ain't really into it. It's boring. Like I said, I like a train wreck, but eventually I stop watching it because it gets old. I want to see a new one. You know what I'm saying? I want to see a new form of entertainment. I don't want to see the same thing. Y'all send the same thing back and forth. Either you're going to have more all the small smoke pro podcast or you're not. And if you're not, Kwame, start your own podcast. But don't keep talking about the same thing every podcast. Start telling people you're obviously intellectual. You obviously know a lot about business or it seems that you do. Um, you're doing a lot of good things in the community. Now that people are listening, Move on from them and start talking about that. Use your content. Use this 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 base that you built from YouTube Live and Instagram and start talking about other things so you can start 
your podcast or whatever. You got the eyes on you now. You don't have to continue to talk about them. You don't have to continue to defend yourself. You don't have to continue to defend your career or your life. And please, 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 quit saying, and I got my mama's cooking. That shit's getting on my nerves. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really the thing. I ain't, he keeps saying that like this is something, geez, some genius tagline that he's made. That shit's on. But other than that, man, that's all I got today, man. Just some stuff that I was looking at, some stuff I had on my mind. You know what I mean? Um... Got some, got some new content coming for the Two Smart Network. We already released um, episode of Fumble Ruski. We're gonna, um, we talk about the draft. We're gonna go into some more football um, through this off season. Keep up with that. Try to keep that show rolling. Uh, we also did another episode of Two Smart Dummies uh, with David O guest hosting. We talked about the play-in games that went on yesterday. Currently sitting here watching Memphis and San Antonio, waiting for that big matchup in video game Curry against the Lakers. Chef Curry, I think we're gonna see some magic tonight. So we'll be talking about that next week on Two Smart Dummies. We also got some other content coming out for you, man. Uh, we took a bit of a hiatus, took a break, mental health break, man. Sometimes you gotta recharge the batteries, but now we're back, man. We're gonna start putting out some more content, um, get back consistent like we were last year. And no matter if I got one listener or a million. I plan on being the same. But shit, I ain't never had a million dollars. Well, I don't know. I might change on y'all. <laughs> but yeah, that's it for this episode of You Read Me. I'll be back with y'all next week. Peace. Now that's big facts. You read me.